Well, it's a pleasure to be here. I feel like it's been a long time. The month of May is always so crazy with graduations and all kinds of stuff going on that the way the schedule worked together, I didn't get to full time, but now June is here and I finally get another turn, so I'm excited today. Although, <clears throat> I had to preach it second as well, so you can pray for me that I hold up here. <laughs> I haven't done this in a while. All right. A <clears throat> um, couple things real quick as we get going here. <clears throat> the first is Pastor Barbara mentioned uh, to, to notice the insert in the bulletin related to the children's Sabbath schools. Um, every year, uh, we have a special push to make sure we've got everybody we need uh, for those different classes. And uh, typically, a lot of the people who participate in Lead Out are, in fact, uh, parents and so forth of kids in those age ranges. However, I would just say <clears throat> that isn't a requirement. And in fact, uh, some of the very best Sabbath schools I've ever seen, children's Sabbath schools I've ever seen in my life, are led by people who don't have kids that age, who just love kids that age and like to participate and, uh, and do so. If, if you're a person who would like to be involved and like to have a few more children in your life, here's a good chance for you. And so please notice that. I, I note in particular she said that the, the third grade group at 10 o'clock, she has some special needs for that group. So uh, please take a look. <clears throat> also, we're getting very close to being done with our audiovisual project upgrade. We didn't stream it all last week, and we had originally weren't sure what we'd be able to do this week or not, but as it turns out, we're actually uh, streaming this week, <clears throat> but uh, use all the equipment. So if you're watching online today, uh, we're happy we were able to get it up, but if you get a glitch or two, it's because we're still getting the uh, system ironed out and everything going well. But so now we have uh, the new HD cameras. We got two up there with people running them up here. And then we've always had three in the sanctuary. We always had one right in the back and one over here on this side and one over here on this side. <clears throat> but there's a new one. And this one's all about y'all. It's right there. <clears throat> and I found out it can get you even in the balcony. So... So watch out, there is no safe space anymore. Nowhere where you can nap and get, not get caught by the AV team. So, <clears throat> so that camera will always be watching, so be careful. Now this is exciting and uh, really good pictures, maybe even better than we want sometimes. So uh, incredible uh, new technology and uh, appreciate the hard work of the different ones that uh, put it in and they're in there right now. Uh, the, the whole AV room is packed with people all learning how to use the new equipment. So uh, that's a blessing. There's, uh, of the 150000 for this project, <clears throat> we've raised all but about 16000 of it. If you'd like to make a contribution and finish that off, we can do that and won't have to dip into any reserves or anything else to uh, finalize the expense on this project. And thank you to all of you who've donated. Uh, it's neat to have taken this step. And we should be back to normal next week, only normal will be better than it ever was. So, all right, let's pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, I thank you for this Sabbath day and this chance we have to be here for the way you've blessed this community through the years. Now, Lord, speak to us today in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> no single generation of God's people is ever asked to do everything to build up God's kingdom. 
It's because it isn't possible. There's too much to do. And even right things, if done at the wrong time, will be ineffective. No single generation of God's people is ever asked to do everything, but every generation is asked to do something. The key, the key is to the times and understand God's calling in our generation. We look today to the tribe of Issachar. It's one of those tribes in the Bible that doesn't get a lot of mention. But there was at least one time when men of Issachar did receive some laurels. One time when they got praise. The occasion was the period of instability and even civil war that was convulsing Israel after the death of Saul and before David became king. We sometimes forget about this period of history and, and fall into the trap of thinking, well, it was just this smooth transition. David was, you know, Saul was king and then David was king. Well, no, there was a good seven-year period of instability where the people really didn't know what was going to happen. And, and just at this point, let me make an aside, <clears throat> highly relevant to the election year that we find ourselves in, the closer you look, I, I, I'm probably good, I, thanks though. The closer you look at history, the more you realize that history's always been full of uncertainty. People have always lived in uncertain times. The notion that is a straight line and all the good choices were always immediately obvious, well, that's fiction at best. God's people have always lived and sought God's will through murky and even troubled times. But God has always been faithful to those who truly seek Him and always faithful to reveal to them the path that they should go when they cry out to Him for wisdom and understanding. We need not be afraid of the craziness of our days, as if this were something strange in the history of the world. Remember, a part of the world and the prosperity of the cities and nations in which we live does directly affect our lives. Never forget, our kingdom is not of this world. And our king is not a man or a woman of our election, but instead the man of God's election, Jesus Christ our Lord. Ours are not the first crazy days, even in this country. In fact, compared to some eras, Ours isn't even all that crazy, or at least not yet. But I'm reminded of Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to seek the Lord with all our heart and trust Him to lead us because our confidence is in Jesus and in him we take heart because even though the world has troubles, Jesus told us, in the world you will have troubles, but then he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So no matter how the craziness of the days ahead of us, no matter how crazy it gets, don't get caught up in it as if craziness were a new or novel thing. History is mostly craziness, but it's also the story of the faithfulness of God's people who understood their times 
and knew what to do in their generation. Which brings us back to where we were headed with the tribe of Issachar in the unstable time uh, between the reign of Saul and the kingdom of David. As I mentioned, there was instability, there was civil war, as is often the case when a king dies. And this can be easy for us to, to forget about when we read the Bible story because we know how it comes out. And so it would seem obvious to us, well, obviously, everybody just needed to follow David. But realize it's not always so obvious when you're living in those days. Oh, sure, there probably was a rumor in the land that Samuel the prophet, the one who originally anointed Saul to be king, had in fact also anointed David. But that could have just been a fabrication by someone who was trying to make legitimate a pretender to the throne. How do we know? Were we there when Samuel did that? There weren't even that many people there. And to make it all worse, Samuel's dead now, so we can't go and ask him. Uh, you'll remember there was a group that went and tried to talk to Samuel after he died, that went to the Witch of Endor. That didn't end up very good for them. So trying to talk to him after he's dead is a bad idea. So he's not there. And there doesn't seem to have been another prophet at this point with the stature of Samuel who could make a definitive account all would agree to. So what do God's people do at a time like this? Well, the short answer is this. God's people need to figure it out. We'd like to think somebody's always going to come along and tell us, or it's always going to but there will be times when God's people must discern their times and figure out what to do. Eventually, they did, though the final conclusion of many was probably different from their initial thinking, all of which reminds me of another proverb, Proverbs 16, verse 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Don't be so sure about what you believe reality should be that you cannot change your course to match the leading of the Lord. Make your plans, but always stay open to the voice of Jesus. This is called discernment. And it is one of the most important things for people who follow the Lord to develop in their lives is discernment. Again to the story of the people of Issachar and to the subtle praise they receive. Saul is dead and there's been seven years of a tense crisis between the tribe of Judah which has accepted David as king and the rest of the tribe of Israel who are nominally ruled by Saul's surviving son Ishbosheth. There's been treachery in the land Treachery on the part of Joab, who is the general of David's army, who has killed Abner, who is the general of Israel's army. And now Regicide has claimed the life of Ishbosheth. It is at a moment like this when things could easily get completely out of hand. And it is a time like this that demands people of discernment. It is in this context, in the midst of a list of warriors from the various tribes that rallied to David's side during this time, that we get these words about the men of Issachar. 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32. From Issachar, men who understood the times 
and knew what Israel should do, 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. Men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Now in fairness, the warriors of the other tribes seemed to understand as well, for they were all doing the same thing. Yet for whatever reason, the author of Chronicles saw fit to point out this specific quality in relation to the men of Issachar. Here's what I want you to understand from this. God's kingdom is always built up by men and women who match this description. Men and women who understand their times and know what God's people should do. That's how the kingdom gets built. Men and women who understand their times and know what God's people should do. But to be people who understand the times and what God's people should do requires thoughtfulness and discernment. And to then go and get it done requires deliberate commitment and action. When we take a bird's eye view of history, it may suggest that things just kind of happen as a matter of course, but anytime you actually get up close to the stories, you will see that all the great events of history, there were a lot of ways that things could have gone down. There were a lot of different decisions that could have been made. But the great things were done when God's people discerned God's will and then boldly acted in faith. We made an older book at home for worship written by D.A. Delafield, who I guess is the uncle of uh, Trevor Delafield, who's part of our congregation here. Anyway, uh, D.A. Delafield, written in 1969, entitled Angels Over Her Tent. It is a series of stories about Ellen, by extension about some of the early development of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And it's a reminder to me that things we come to take for granted were often issues of significant crisis and concern for the generations that came before us. There's so many things, you know, sometimes you, you read through the history and you think, oh, well, they just breezed along, it was easy, all the decisions were obvious. No, it was hard. And some of the things that seem obvious to us now were hard choices that were made at another time. For example, like in the year 1881, when Ellen White nearly died and James White did die, and no one, including Ellen, was completely sure if the Adventist church would even survive. But our spiritual forefathers and mothers were faithful in their generation. Now I want you to know, they were faithful. That doesn't mean they were perfect. Let's not be too quick to deify all of their solutions and conclusions. Let's not get lazy in our day because they were faithful in theirs. And let's not mistake being faithful in their generation to being faithful in our own. Remember, Saul was God's appointed king before God rejected him for David. And knowing that the time had come to reject the line of Saul in favor of David is the reason the tribe of Issachar was praised. They discerned the time. 
may we also, by God's grace, be able to discern, like those of Issachar, which things to preserve and which to exchange for God's new leadings in our generations. It's hard to be faithful in your generation, but it's what God calls us to be. Our spiritual forefathers and mothers were faithful in their generation, and because of their faithfulness, the Seventh-day Adventist Church now has multi-millions of members in almost every nation on the earth. And in fact, on any given Sabbath, many of those nations are represented in this room. And since we're talking about this room, Sabbath, April 23rd of this year, marked the 50th anniversary of the first Sabbath the Fourth Lake Church members of a previous generation met in this building for worship 50 years ago. Those people were like the men and women of Issachar who understood their times and what needed to be done, and they acted and did it. And what is the result of their faithfulness? We are the result of their faithfulness. Look around you. The result of their faithfulness is nothing short of the building up of of God. We wouldn't be here carrying forward God's mission today if they had not discerned and acted in their generation. It's a neat story how they did their work. In those days, it wasn't always about the professionals, and at that time, average members were involved, and in fact, they were. The members of the church came out with their shovels and literally dug the footers uh, with volunteered labor for this building because they wanted to keep the expenses down. They knew the expense would be high, and though they knew that this was God's will, their requirement of their generation to do this, they didn't want to get onto the generation to come. They wanted to take care of all of it. And they succeeded gloriously in their mission. The doors of this sanctuary opened April 23, 1966. And by the end of November 1968, two and a half years later, this building was... It's impressive, isn't it? Downright inspiring. Don't you love what happens when a generation discerns the times, knows what needs to be done, and then takes determined action to get it done? Now, this is all very interesting. Indeed, but I suspect you know we haven't gone down this road of reflection with no ultimate purpose in mind. Well, let me just affirm your discerning suspicions. We have indeed gone down this road with intention. For I believe, and I am not alone, that we are at one of those generations where we need to discern God's purpose for our generation and take deliberate action to accomplish that purpose. Perhaps you notice we broke the engage gears out again. You remember those? They were around a lot last year. They're making a reappearance today, and that's no accident either, for it is time for us to again link up our gears and engage in order to accomplish a great work that will be a blessing to us in our day and a blessing to those who will serve and worship the Lord in this place after we've gone. Now, whenever you make a comment like that in Adventist church, you always have to make an apology to go with it because it somehow implies you don't think the Lord is coming soon. But let me say this. Our people have always believed the Lord is coming soon. The people who built this sanctuary believed the Lord is coming soon, and if they'd use that as an excuse to not build it, 
be here today, would we? My favorite wake-up call on this whole discussion is my grandfather, who was born to very good Seventh-day Adventist parents, who took one look at him and said, he'll never be old enough to bring in wood. My grandfather died at the age of 96, having served as an Adventist pastor his whole life. And by the time he died, we didn't even bring in wood anymore. The point isn't that we lose faith in the second coming, but we may never use it as an excuse to not take action in our day. One day a group may spend some money on something and the Lord will come in the midst of it, but I'll tell you what, it hasn't happened yet. I wouldn't mind if it was us. But I also wouldn't mind if the Lord does tarry, that we made the right choices in our generation and those were blessed as a result, like we've been blessed by those who came before us. So what is the opportunity that is before us? And what is the associated great work the Lord would have us do in this generation? Well, I'm glad you asked. At the outset, it isn't the building of a new sanctuary. We might every now and then be a touch crowded, but we have options. We have multiple services. And we have seats remaining. And besides that, a massive sanctuary was never actually the vision of our Issachar-like Forest Lake Church foreparents who actually built this place 50 years ago. They actually had a different view. Rather than concentrating everything here with this church getting bigger and bigger, their thinking was, why not make it central to this congregation's mission and purpose to not just build one great big giant congregation in this place, but instead to keep this place a more reasonable size and invest in starting other congregations throughout the area, which I think is a vision we need to re-embrace in our day. For the record, that part of their vision came true as well because the Apopka Highlands Church, the Altamont Springs Church, the Springs Church, which is now part of Spring Meadows, and the Markham Woods Church all grew out of this congregation. I pray the day is not too far distant when this proven mother church is able to give birth again. But that's not primarily what we talk about today. So what is the opportunity before us in our generation? In a word, discipleship. It's key to the Great Commission. The words of Jesus from Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go and make disciples, Jesus said. Different churches have different opportunities to do different things at different times. Knowing what God has enabled a specific church to do at a specific time is called discernment. Or as in the case of Issachar in the example previous, knowing the times and knowing what needs to be done. There are several ways in which the Great Commission can be manifest in a 
and knowing where to focus and invest is always the challenge, for it is always possible to make a compelling biblical case for many courses of action. But discerning God's will in a specific generation requires more than just plots that a certain course is in general harmony with Scripture. Discerning God's will for a specific time and place requires both biblical support for the validity of a particular action as well as clear evidence suggesting the particular action being considered consistent with what God is doing here and now. In other words, the action is right when we discern it is both what the Bible teaches and what the situation requires. And I truly believe the leaders of this church have, through prayer, careful study, capped off with a special church business meeting held on May the 23rd, I believe the leaders have found and approved the action God would have us take in this generation. As I mentioned previously, the opportunity I believe for us in our day is discipleship. The opportunity to invest in the enabling of life transformation of our children and our members through deliberate ministries and facilities designed to facilitate just that, discipleship, training in living our lives for Jesus. To achieve this, we need space, which we have, having been granted us by the faithfulness of generations before. You see, there are several factors that go into effective discipleship. One factor is what we're doing right now. Powerful times of corporate worship containing strong biblical teaching. We have to have a space to do that. And we've been given that space. And we need God-filled leaders to lead out, which is something that Pastor Bernie and I and Pastor Evan and many others seek to be to do by God's grace. We can always get better, but when it comes to corporate worship and its role in discipleship, we have this need quite well covered. And we thank God for that. But there are two other factors that are keys to discipleship. In fact, maybe even more critical to discipleship than what we do in here. And they are fellowship and places for discipleship training. Over the past five years, God has moved within our congregation in a number of ways. But none profoundly, I believe, than the way he has moved in our Sabbath schools, both children's and adults. You can generally find a seat in our sanctuary at one of our services without too much trouble, but there are times we have had to literally turn kids away from Sabbath school because the room was too full. Or tell entire adult classes, you can't get any bigger because we don't have a bigger place to put you. And don't even think about hanging around the lobby after a service for fellowship. There just isn't a place right now for that. Mostly it's hustle in and hustle out and don't let the door hit you on the backside as you go to your car. We can do better than this. And by God's grace we will. And now we have a plan. It is a plan 
around the chance we have to improve our ability to make disciples and one that keys on a particular group that God continues to send flooding through our doors, namely families and particularly families with children. Now you might at first think that perhaps because you are uh, and you don't have family here or perhaps you're younger and you're not yet a part of a family of your own, somehow this plan doesn't involve you. But I believe you would be mistaken to think this way, for nothing will make this church more alive and vibrant for all its members, regardless of age, than be it strong with healthy families and brimming with children in various stages of discipleship development. Nothing will make us more vibrant than that. Healthy families are the core of a healthy church. If you are older, this is what you should be working to achieve as a legacy. And if you are younger, this is the future you should be striving for. Now there is much more to be said about this, and we may have a chance in the weeks ahead, but our time is about spent today. So instead of more about the all, how about I show you what God is calling us to do? Lord willing, a couple years from now, as you make your approach to the church, out that side of the church, walking up, this is what you'll see. You can see right now the in the background, but there's a couple of new buildings in this picture, and let me explain to you what they are. In our next slide here, it's a little hard to see, uh, but you can see the yellow, the brighter yellow shapes there. Those are the new buildings we'll be building. One is a new lobby connected with this church, and the other is children's ministry space. Now let me tell you a little bit about this new lobby space. What we're going to do is we're going to extend what we have right here of this sanctuary straight back to what is now the outside wall. Right now we have that lobby that goes across and a couple classrooms there. We're going to extend this straight back through that space. It'll be equal with the back wall of the balcony of where the entrance doors to the new sanctuary would be. And as you're looking at this picture, those are the ones on the left. Go back for a second there, Patty. The, the ones on the left would be the back doors of our sanctuary. And you'll see you'll be able to walk straight out of the sanctuary into this lovely lobby space. And you'll be able to continue after that straight on out of the building instead of straight out into a wall and have to go one way or the other. And this new lobby space, go ahead and go to the next one there, is good size to the point where we could use it for receptions and any number of other kinds of things. Incredible amount of pressure off of the upper use center that gets used for everything right now. And we would have that space available, and right now we have these two little lobbies on the side. They'd still be there, but then they would be connected on their ends with this larger lobby space where there would actually be room if you wanted after the service to have a polite conversation with someone. Is that the last one we have? Did I forget this every time? No, oh, sorry. This is the new children's building. And where it will stand is between where the current office space is and the upper youth center. So it will be right in that space there. And as you walk up, you will see this two-story children's ministry building. Now, one of the things that will be accomplished here, once we get this done and the children's ministry, Sabbath schools, have all moved over there, we will have opened up all kinds of space in the existing children's wing for ministries and for adult Sabbath school classes. And we will 
finally have made a permanent home again for the quilting ministry. And that will be a wonderful thing. So you can see there's detail here that you have no chance of seeing from where you're sitting. But if you really want to see these plans in more detail, there'll be a lot of times when we'll make these things available. Plus, you could uh, just make an appointment and come by the office. Myself or Pastor Roger can tell you all about it. But uh, two floors on this children's ministry area, all of the younger children's ministry rooms, the children's Sabbath school rooms for the younger kids, have bathrooms right connected with the classroom itself. So we no longer have to have people that take out of the hall and go into the other places. Uh, Very nicely constructed. And one other nice feature here, the second floor on the front side actually sticks over a little ways so that you will now be able to walk, once this is done, from the church all the way to the upper youth center, even if you have to go around outside without walking in the rain because you'll have a covered walkway there. That will be a nice thing. This isn't just a dream. This is what the church has voted to do. This is the mission we have accepted in our generation. And these buildings will be the gift of our generation. This is how we are being called to build up God's house. And just as in this day we call them blessed, who 50 years ago erected this sanctuary... So one day, should the Lord tarry, many will thank the Lord for what we will do. We'll get going with formal fundraising and so forth in the days ahead. We're not officially kicking that off today, but that doesn't mean you can't contribute already to the church building fund. We have a pretty aggressive goal. We want to raise $3 million by next March. So we get going, right? We want to raise the $3 million by next March because that'll be enough to get us going and be able to do the whole project at once. The whole project cost is about $8.5 million. It's a lot until you remember that this church returns nearly $1 million in tithe every year. The Lord has blessed this congregation. We are well able to do a project of this scope. Just before Israel went across the Jordan into Egypt, Joshua spoke these words. Joshua chapter 3, 5. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. We serve that same Lord. The same one that Joshua spoke about. And so I say to you today the same thing. Consecrate yourselves and engage for the Lord is about to do amazing things among us. Have we discerned the times? Do we see what we need to do? If we do, then let's get busy with determined action and let's get this done. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the way that you have worked and led and brought us to this point. Lord, we want this place to be powerful in creating disciples for your kingdom and for your purpose. And we want to be able to receive the families that you're sending here. And we want to have places for children to learn about Jesus. And we want places.
for adults and for parents to be able to gather and build community. You have blessed these ministries of the church beyond our ability to contain them. And so we have engaged this project, Lord, believing that we are discerning our times. Now, Lord, put it within the heart of this congregation to give to this, pro this project and make this reality, that our generation might give this gift, and that many generations will be blessed as a result. May we build up your in Jesus' name. Amen.